Are you ready to take your financial advisory firm to the next level? Get a realistic approach to making your business successful, innovative, and client-centered with insights from a creative marketer and results-oriented business consultant. Welcome to the Insights for Financial Advisors podcast with your host, Crystal Lee Butler. Welcome to Insights for Financial Advisors. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Butler, owner of Crystal Marketing Solutions. And with me is this season's co-host, Dr. Jack Singer professional psychologist, speaker, and the author of The Financial Advisor's Ultimate Stress Mastery Guide. Let's welcome Dr. Jack Singer. Well, Crystal, as usual, it's my pleasure to be here for your wonderful audience so that we can offer them some real insights uh, that they can put to use immediately. That's the key to this whole series, is giving them actionable skills that they can A, identify with, and B, put to use immediately in their practices. Yes, these are definitely invaluable um, resources and insights that we're sharing. So today we're going to actually talk about giving insights into retaining ideal clients. Um, We've broken these down into three key pieces. And if you want to go ahead and get started, Jack, the first piece is developing relationships. Right. And you may recall those of you who listened to the last um, part of the series, we talked about different kinds of clients with different personalities and how they may resonate or not resonate with your personality. But now let's talk about attracting and nurturing clients that you think would be good for your practice because of some assessment you've made uh, of them in terms of their personality. The best way you can do that, of course, is not to be selling yourself right off the bat and telling them all the wonderful things you can do for them. But the best thing you can do this is to simply listen to them and find out what their needs are so that you can then address those needs either in the same conversation or perhaps in a future conversation. So if it's all right with you, Crystal, I'd like to talk a little bit about what I describe in my book as active empathic listening, which is a key psychological skill that everyone should learn because it really helps them to zone in on issues, whether it's a client or whether it's a partner or whether it's a child, If you learn how to listen to what they're saying and what they're feeling, that will endear them to you and rivet them to you. And of course, when someone's trying to attract clients, uh, we always want to do things that will endear and rivet them to us. So if it's all right with you, I'd like to go through a bit of a process of active empathic listening. Would that be okay, Crystal? Yeah, that's great. I can't wait to hear more about it. Okay. Well, the whole key of active empathic listening is that we really want to take ourselves out of our heads where we're worried about how we're going to respond to a question or what is our sales pitch going to be in our elevator talk. Get away from all of that and simply focus on listening to what this person is saying. And so the first step is to ask open-ended questions and to listen to the key responses. So uh, a question could be, Um, what is your biggest concern right now? And even if the response has nothing to do with finances, you can go there with that particular question because your job is to understand the emotional space this prospective client is in, not necessarily directing him or her into the financial arena. So what is your biggest concern? What kinds of things uh, disturb your sleep? Uh, Do you have family issues that you're worried about? So now you're showing this prospective client that you have a keen and genuine interest in their life. And step two, you may want to ask some clarifying questions to get an in-depth understanding of those concerns and needs. For example, 
Well, what, do you, what are your greatest fears about what will happen to your financial situation over the next five years or so? That really zones in on what the prospective client may worry about. They may already have a financial advisor. You're not asking questions like that. You just want to know what their fears are. And step three is the actual key to active empathic listening. By the way, we call it empathic listening because you're developing empathy by putting yourself in the shoes of this person and looking at their world from their eyes and not judging it. So the person may tell you something they're worried about in terms of their finances for the next five years that you may think is totally irrational, but your job is not to point that out. Your job is to simply look at it from their perspective and sort of paraphrase what you see or what you're hearing. So an example of that would be if the potential client said, I don't know how to raise my children without their father in the picture. Let's say this is a widow. I don't know how to raise my children without their father in the picture, and I'm afraid I can't handle it alone. You could paraphrase that in your own words with what I'm hearing you say is you're worried that without your husband, you'll have difficulty raising your children, and that tends to feel overwhelming and scary right now. Is that how you feel? So do you have any questions about that key part of active listening, Crystal? No, I think I, I love how you're giving really key examples that um, we all can relate to and can use. Right. So what we, what we really want to do is try to focus on what the person's saying, what their emotions are, which is why I said it feels overwhelming and scary right now. And just not comment on it. You know, you're not going to say things like, don't be silly. I can help you with your finances, it doesn't matter if your husband is no longer with us and so forth. You're not getting into any of that. You're just trying to listen to what she is saying and understand it from her perspective. Right. Step, four, step four is asking for more clarification. For example, you could say, well, what specifically are, are you afraid you won't be able to handle with the children? Is it a financial fear or is it something else? Now understand, when you're talking like this to a prospective client, you're getting into a deeper level of conversation than most people ever do when they're first meeting someone. And that can be somewhat threatening to the client. So you have to be really careful that you're not overstepping your bounds here. They may not be comfortable talking about it to you because you're a relative stranger. But if they are comfortable with it and you're really sensitive to the fact that you're being careful with it, you've opened a door that no one else has opened and given them an opportunity to vent their deepest fears and concerns. And step five is simply summarizing the content and the emotion of the client's conversation. So in this case, you could say, you know, it sounds as if you're feeling overwhelmed at the moment and not knowing how you're going to parent the children alone, and you're afraid of maybe failing in that regard. Is that how you're feeling? And that can lead the conversation to many different directions. You're not, again, you're not telling them that you're going to come in on a white horse and rescue her at this point. You're not telling her, don't worry, everything will be comfortable when I take charge of it. You're not doing anything like that. You're just trying to understand and go with wherever the conversation goes. As I mentioned, she may not even discuss anything about finances. It may be a discussion of, you know, I'm really frightened. You know, I, I was married for 40 years and now I'm alone and, you know, I don't know what to do and things of that nature. And the conversation may simply go in that direction. But those are some of the key points of active listening is asking key questions, listening carefully to the answers, understanding 
the emotions that go with the answers, and then paraphrasing in your own words what you heard in terms of both the content and the emotion. And only when that's all been done, and the person may be even smiling, saying, I can't believe you really get it, you know where I'm coming from, right. then you can ask, would you like any input from me at this point? She may say no, or she may say, what do you mean input from you? You may say, well, you know, I have some ideas about how you can manage that. I've dealt with many clients, for example, who are widows, and some are recent widows, and some have been widows for many years before they work with me, but I have a lot of strategies to help with that. Is that something you'd be interested in discussing? Or perhaps we could arrange a future conversation for that. Great. I love, I love these steps. I am um, a process and steps person. So I love um, breaking these down. Even um, me working with my clients and my clients working with their clients. This is just something you could use in the business world, in the personal world, um, for just listening and developing and nurturing these relationships um, with our clients and prospects. So this is great. Absolutely. And, you know, there are several, when I, I've used females as an example, because uh, females are underserved by financial advisors. And because most financial advisors are males, they're underserved by the male financial advisors. And there's a whole chapter in my book on this, but part of that is they don't listen. Uh, they paid attention to the spouse before he passed away and, and frequently ignored the woman as if her opinion didn't count or as if she was relegating all of the decisions to her husband. And that's why this astounding statistic um, exists, and that is that 70% of widows fire their financial advisor within one year after their husband passes away. Yes, and I believe we've talked about this in a previous podcast episode, which I'll reference that in the show notes as well if anybody wants to listen more. Um, but yes, very, very in great insights. Yeah. So if we want to continue along this theme a bit about attracting more female clients to your practice, if you want to go down that road, I have several other suggestions that uh, advisors can utilize for that purpose. Well, good. And I think we covered some of those in that episode. And I think we even in the episode said that there was so much more to talk about that we might do an additional episode on that. Yeah, so okay. um, stay tuned okay. uh, for that, listeners. Um, but going back to these insights for <clears throat> um, retaining ideal clients, um, really the next step is onboarding. Um, once you listen and develop and nurture that relationship, and then there's the process of onboarding. Um, I know this is more of a marketing kind of um, avenue, um, which I will actually, um, I have a whole series I'm working on um, to go into more detail about the onboarding process, but I'd love to hear some of your insights on this, Jack. Well, I think first of all, you need to present an office and a staff that's extremely professional. So if you get to the point where this prospective client is willing to come in for a no obligation meeting, which would be good, where you convince this person, we're not selling anything, we're not promoting anything, I just want you to get to see myself and my staff and understand what we do to help clients exactly like you to feel safe. That's a phrase that I like to use, to feel safe, because frankly, most people, male or female, when they're talking about their financial future, the concern is, will I be safe? Some of that concern has to do with, will I outlive my, what I consider to be my uh, savings? 
Um, are there any plans in place that will help me uh, if the market crashes? Um, do I, how can I know that I'll be safe uh, if I have unexpected expenditures down the road or I have to save for education for children and things like that? So anything you can do to help the client feel safe is important. And one of the best ways to do that is to present a very professional office and office staff where the client recognizes right away that you're not someone who just, uh, you know, got your license last week, but you've been doing this for a while, that you have a very presentable place so that um, she knows that you've been working with clients for some time. The office staff is uh, full of smiles and calls her by her name and so forth. And, and that's really part of this uh, onboarding process where you want them to get a flavor for what they can expect if they hire you as their financial professional. Right. And really just digging in. And the big thing I think with going along with that is having a consistent process, a consistent experience um, that can of course be tweaked over time. Um, but that a consistent experience where everybody in the office knows what's going on um, and just flows well. So um, that's really the focus on the, having a defined onboarding process, I think. Yes, it is. And I think part of the common sense kinds of uh, meetings that people should have with prospective clients is that you do not get interrupted. So you don't have an assistant running in saying someone's on the phone or I need this paperwork from you. The client has to realize that all of the attention is focused on her during yep. that meeting, however long that meeting is. And obviously, you don't have a cell phone sitting on your desk where it will keep buzzing and you're looking to see who's sending you messages. These things are all very obvious. You want this person to feel special. And even though you have many clients, each one is special to you. And that's one of the messages you're trying to give to this person. Right, exactly. Um, well, now moving on to um, having the prospect become a client, now we're going to talk a little bit about the third key piece, which is the client experience. Right. So the client now has decided to trust you and with it, with uh, her wealth management is what it really is. And she's exposing a lot of very personal and private things to you, not only about her fears and, and so forth and perhaps her goals, but also exposing to you, you know, her money and things of that nature. And you have to be very delicate and careful with all of this, <clears throat> and more than anything, have a sense of confidence so that no matter what fear she presents to you, you can respond with, yes, I've dealt with that many times before, and here's an example of what we can do about that. Right, exactly. Here's an example of a portfolio we can provide for you that will protect you against these volatile markets, or here's my core philosophy of investing and of financial planning. And I'm wondering how your feelings about that fit with what my core philosophy is. So an example of that would be um, frequently an advisor will hand a questionnaire to a prospective client or an onboarding client that says, uh, you know, do you like high risk, low risk or medium risk investments? But you can verbalize this. You know, my core values are to be conservative. I want to make sure that you're protected for the long run and I don't jump into, you know, hot things here and there that people say, you know, it's a winner. How do you feel about that? Because if you're discovering in this early 
um, conference that their core values conflict with yours, it's time to make a decision as to whether you really want to take this client on or perhaps refer the client to someone else, either in your firm or in another firm, that fits more closely with those values. Right, exactly. Now, in terms of client satisfaction, you know, when I think about my own financial advisor, what satisfies me the most is the fact that he tends to have a weekly podcast, uh, which tells not only of the major uh, equities that he's investing in for his clients and his strategy for doing so and why he does it, but it also talks about world events and how those world events temper his strategic decisions. And this is a weekly, actually, he does it twice a week now. Oh, wow. It takes a lot of time. He does it by video. It's a very expensive process, but it means the world to his clients because we realize that this man has spent every waking hour focused on his clients and what can he do to put them in the best position. And it's very impressive. He's very smart. This particular individual gets invited to speak for Forbes and on Wall Street frequently he shows up there on their shows. So, you know, he, he has a credibility that has skyrocketed, but it's partly skyrocketed because of these podcasts that he does a couple of times a week. So I highly advise advisors to think about that because many advisors only contact their clients around the time they're going to have their annual meeting. Or, right. or if they're having a client event, for example, Crystal, once or twice a year where the hidden agenda is we're trying to sell them on some products that we have, but they bring them in for this event, give them a nice dinner and maybe have a speaker that talks about the future or economy or something like that. Um, those are not events that tend to turn clients on. They turn clients off. As a quick aside, I have developed uh, an, uh, an interesting event for those client meetings called how to live much longer than your kids hoped you would. So when advisors bring me in for that, I actually teach their, their clients and the guests they bring with them, the prospective clients, how to live a healthier and longer life based on proven psychological principles. So who wouldn't want to come and hear that? Right. And invite their guests. And the typical response of a guest is, your advisor flew this nationally renowned psychologist across country to teach the clients and guests how to live happier and longer. My advisor never does anything like that. I get a wine tasting and they try to sell me on a product. Maybe I need to rethink where I put my assets. So this is a win-win-win situation. So the client event can be either a turn off or a turn on depending how you structure it. And I think what is an important takeaway with this is just whatever you decide, whether it's, you know, something that's like the podcast or a client event, whatever you do, just be consistent with it. Going back to that consistency. Um, maybe you just want to send an email once a month to all of your clients, but then make sure you check in with them over the phone quarterly. Um, just whatever mix works for you, just be consistent with them with it. So they know what to expect and they um, value that relationship better knowing that, they're going to get an email in their inbox or they're going to get a call from you every three months or six months, or they know that every September you're going to have a client event where it's just going to be a fun, relaxing environment to watch a show or something um, very social, not um, investment related. So just whatever you do, uh, make sure it's planned well, but consistent at the same time. 
That's correct. And uh, I think, you know, unfortunately, many advisors send out a card to their clients only when their birthday or anniversary is coming up. That's not really good enough. You have to be proactive with clients. Exactly. This biweekly or whatever it is, email that you send out or however you do it, should anticipate market falls so that you're talking in advance in a proactive way about how we have your portfolio structured when the market will fall because it always does and then it comes back and so forth but let's do this in a proactive way let's not panic when it happens so that the clients are all set so many advisors that i mentor crystal tell me that their biggest concern is after the market crashes and the clients start calling they're afraid of even answering the phone well if they proactively prepared the clients for these ups and downs told them that we have this under control that we expect it will happen at some point. History shows it always does. This is not for you to worry about. They will cut down on that anxiety tremendously. Right. Being the, the saying, being proactive, not reactive. Exactly. What? Well, do you have anything else to add? Well, you know, there are a lot of experts, you being one of them, on referrals and how client or advisors should ask for referrals. But my only point there would be don't be afraid to ask. A lot of people are shy about this. Uh, but if you're confident that you've been doing a good job with your uh, client, why wouldn't you ask if there's someone else they would like to share the wealth with, so to speak? Like if somebody says to you, uh, gee, uh, Crystal, if you were the advisor, gee, Crystal, what you did for me last month, I really appreciate it. And look at how it's paying off. And that's wonderful. The opening statement from that could be, would you like to share that great um, experience you had with someone you that's special to you, either a family member or, a, or a, uh, a friend, because I can offer the same kinds of programs for that person. And frequently you'll hear, you know, I never thought about that. I can really do a favor for this family member who's been thinking about what are they going to do with their wealth management or their financial planning. So don't be shy about asking for referrals. Well, and not only that, um, referrals or family members are great. Um, be included as guest decline events as a very social way to be introduced um, an indirect way. Um, but referrals really, there's even a whole podcast. Um, Stephen Wershing and Julie Littlechild have a whole podcast on referrals and being referable. So um, there's so much detail in that one item that it's amazing. It's outstanding. But and that really is, I think, pretty much covers it. I think with the time we want to spend, that pretty much covers it for now. And I will definitely link to that podcast in the show notes. I actually listen to that podcast regularly um, and would recommend that. And we'll, of course, probably talk about referrals in the future in more detail as well. So um, is there anything else you want to add, Dr. Jack? No, but um, if people want to get a hold of me, I think as I've offered before for just to your listeners, I will give them a free 20-minute phone consultation if they have any questions at all, confidential phone consultation. They can call me at 949-481-5660. And if I'm not there, just leave a voicemail and I will get back with them with their, if they leave their number slowly and clearly. I would just mention, Crystal, um, thank you for asking, is, um, you know, I have an e-course now that will get continued education for financial advisors, and they can learn about that by going to www.developthemindsetofachampion.com. And this is all about how an advisor can go through action steps to develop the mindset that will lead to their ultimate success. 
Great, great. I can't wait um, to hear how people respond to this, and I'm sure you'll have a lot of phone calls, so um, get ready. <laughs> All right, well, it was good chatting with you, and we will talk to you soon. Okay, thank you, Crystal. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Insights for Financial Advisors podcast. If you liked this episode, please rate the podcast on your favorite podcast app. For more insights, tips, and resources, visit insightsforfinancialadvisors.com today.